0: And gentlemen, looking for something new and original, something unique and without equal. Look no further. Here comes
1: the one and only Eric Mattaxis.
0: Folks, from the frying pan into the Fire that is John Smirak. John, welcome back. Hi, right, Great to talk to you. Okay. There's always a million things to cover with you. Where do we start? Well,
2: the crazy, the absolute madness and anarchy that Joe, quote, President Biden uh, has unleashed on our country. 700,000 immigrants are going to storm our borders in a few days. No reason is given as to why this is a good idea. Why this benefits America, how these people are entitled to just storm into the country. There's just no reason given it It fits the Biden political agenda, which is to destabilize, destroy and displace the mainstream population of America. To break up the Anglo-Protestant America that was the founding core, core group, black and white. And to replace it with a complete Mardi Gras mixture of people from everywhere, thrown together, cut off from their traditional communities, secularized in public schools, homogenized through leftist and gay activist propaganda basically the opposite of everything that our founders had in mind when they when they founded the United States, everything Tocqueville talked about when he described why Americans were the freest people on earth and also the most religious. It's as if somebody did a systematic study of everything that functions and works about the United States and decided to destroy each and every one of those things financial. So the Biden's in a sense, are almost the perfect storm of squalor they're like an explosion in a sewage treatment plant spilling onto a daycare center they are financially corrupt they are blatantly dishonest rabidly pro-abortion cozy with chinese communists and yet ridiculously jingoistic against russia risking nuclear war with russia while kissing china's feet it's as if We're in some dystopian novel by a not very good writer, and he's just throwing everything at the wall, making everything go wrong at once because he doesn't know how to restrain or control himself. And I think the reason for that is we are not dealing with human beings who are mistaken or even deluded. Uh, We are dealing with a political party controlled by the principalities and powers of hell.
0: Did you say of hell? of hell. Yeah, I just want to H. be clear. Um unfortunately we the I Democrats
2: the Democrats are the gathering swine thundering down the cliff to drown in the sea and they're dragging us after them. And any anyone who wants to cooperate with them or try to be winsome with them or try to cozy up to them because maybe they'll they'll be able to appear on NPR. In other words the Russell Moores and David French is the collaborators out there who think that we can We can win points with the crocodiles by throwing our friends to feed them. These these people are beneath contempt. Well,
0: for sure. Um, The idea of 700,000 foreigners crossing our border, um, it's so bizarre that it's very hard for me and probably most Americans to process. How is this possible? Can you give us. An idea of what led to this moment? Well,
2: one way to visualize uh, what it means for 700,000 foreigners to come into your country against your will. uh, There weren't that many German soldiers entering France in 1940. Maybe that's helpful.
0: Well, no, Uh, what I'm asking is what led. How did we get here? Specifically that we are about to let them in. Who are they And how is it that somebody has made a decision to let them in? That's that's very bizarre and to me inexplicable.
2: Well, um, it is. The Democrats don't care about preserving the country.
0: Look, we know that they've been letting people in. But I'm saying, what is this specifically about the 700,000? I'm using the
2: details. Okay, there's a title. What is the title? Forty two. Donald Trump had put in place a policy that slowed down Fake refugee claimants from coming to America. It said they have to remain in Mexico and make their application for asylum. Yeah. Okay. The pretense is that these people are all being politically persecuted by the government of Mexico, which is a democracy with a constitution and free speech and an ally of the United States, and we we in no way treat it. It's, it's not a dictatorship. It's not a country that persecutes people. So the whole idea that people can show up and claim, I am being persecuted by the Mexican government, is utterly absurd. It's like people coming from Belgium, okay? The only pretext they offer is that there are drug gangs, there are narco cartels, there is chaos prevailing over large parts of Mexico. And what the Biden administration has done is decide to simply import this chaos into the united states we've had mass shootings several mass shootings this week in texas all involving immigrants most of them illegal we we are subject the chaos that is below the border that is tragic for the people of mexico is coming north this does no good for anyone It doesn't help the the immigrants who came here legally. They left Mexico because they didn't like the chaos. They applied the ones who got in legally. They're playing by the rules. They want to live in an order of the country. Biden has said, no, no, we are going to make the border states Mexico North. We are going to turn everything into the same roiling pot of chaos where the only people who are safe are the people rich enough to take private private car services. And in that, and this brings us to the incident on the subway in New York, uh, a, a homeless psych- psychopath who was menacing a four-year-old child who had been arrested 44 times for menacing people and uh, threatening people and attacking people on the New York city subways, A U.S. Marine steps forward and stops him from terrorizing the other trapped members of the U- New York city public on the subway car. And now, Al Sharpton is leading a mob uh, demanding that this hero who protected his fellow citizens from this psychotic who should not have been roaming the streets, demanding murder charges for him. And I I did a piece at Stream.org a couple of weeks ago, and I I think it's still relevant. The title is, Is Your Progressive Neighbor Waiting to Ethnically Cleanse You and Your Family? I hope people go read it because it, it still applies. Every time someone like Kyle Rittenhouse or Jake Gardner, God rest his soul, or this Marine on the subway or the the uh, Texas Ranger who was trapped during the George Floyd riots, they defend themselves against violent mobs that the Democrats have whipped up and unleashed on the public. And what the goal of the Democrats is that no one defend themselves. If you try to defend yourself against the mob that we've sicked on you, we will send you to prison. Look at the the McCluskeys, the the couple in St. Louis. A mob attacks their house. They wave a gun at them. They lost their law license. They had to plead to illegal gun charges for waving a gun at people who were coming to loot their house. This is a fundamental attack on public order and on private property rights, and the goal of it, is to empower an angry ethnic mob. What we're seeing, what's being encouraged in the black community by the left, is the same kind of racist tribalism that took over Germany in the 1930s, where you only care about people who look like you. And if somebody who looks like you commits a crime, you want him to get away with it. And if somebody who looks like you gets arrested, you want him set free because you are being 100% tribalist Nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with the law, nothing to do with justice or rights. It is a reversion to the lowest, most primitive form of barbarism, like the Comanches and the Apaches slaughtering each other
0: or the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths. And we have to be clear, the main point is that all of this is fundamentally anti-American, everything that has made us exceptional, uh, holding the torch of liberty out to the world, a new way of life, a nation among nations that says we don't care what you look like. We don't care what we are all one. uh, Believing in these beautiful ideas. That is what the Democrats seem aggressively to be at war with, which is to say, America.
2: When they approved of the George Floyd riots, of people shooting and burning and looting and attacking courthouses and attacking cop cars, when they approved of that, and they refused to prosecute any of those people, when Kamala Harris went on television and said they should not stop, the protest should continue, when Michelle Obama threatened America during the D- Democratic National Convention, that unless we reelected, we elected Joe Biden, there would be more of it and it would get worse. So we should vote for Biden as if our lives depended on it. We were being threatened by tribal warfare, and now we are being subject to it.
0: Well, here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to recommend to you strongly go to stream.org. Find all of the articles by John Smirak, Z-M-I-R-A-K john smirak share them share this interview we need your help this is important we'll be right back folks i'm talking to john smirak john again you've written another article at stream.org um this one is a little even more disturbing as far as i'm concerned let's uh talk about that one yeah
2: there's there's a heroic pro-life activist named reverend james harden and he runs compass care which is a chain of pregnancy centers uh that help women save their babies uh he his his center has been one of the ones most violently attacked by pro-abortion activists, by Jane's Revenge. Uh, he decided to do an objective metric to determine how pro-life various Republican candidates are. Now, that's interesting, right? Like there's an objective metric. It's not just a matter of arguments. We can actually do the numbers. How could you possibly do the numbers? Well, what Hardin did was he took. The proposals, the pro-life laws endorsed by various candidates who are running or probably running for president from Nikki Haley to Donald Trump to Ron DeSantis. And he determined how many abortions would be stopped if their laws passed, if they got everything they wanted in terms of federal legislation, what percentage of abortions that are currently perfectly legal would be prevented? And uh, it's called the Harden Abortion Compromise Scale, H-A-R-D-E-N, Abortion Compromise Scale. And my friend Jason Jones wrote about it at the stream. The title is, Are GOP Candidates Pro-Life, Pro-Choice, or Pro-Grift? Now, by Pro-Grift, we mean people who want to say they're pro-life. But in fact, what they mean is, I don't want abortions in my town. I don't want abortion clinics in Texas. Let there be abortion clinics in the airports in California. Let the federal government send abortion pills through the mail to every state in the union. But I want to feel good about myself by saying we've closed a few Planned Parenthoods in my state. That's the problem. The Democrats are absolutely 100 percent dogmatically for Abortion on demand for all nine months, including infanticide, for any reason or no reason at all, including sex selection, including genetic defect, including any reason whatsoever. That is a profoundly evil position, but it's consistent. It's coherent. You can, you can argue for it because it makes sense on its own satanic terms. Then you get Republicans saying, well, you know, not after 14 weeks. Well, what exactly does that mean? Do we think there is some metaphysical change in the child from the 13th week to the 14th week? No. Where is there a metaphysical change in the status of an unborn child? It's conception and birth. Those are the two options. Either abortion is going to be legal from conception or it's going to be ultimately banned from conception. And if you if your candidate says he's pro-life, but it turns out he only wants to ban abortion in the third trimester or the second trimester, or he wants big, crazy exceptions. Like we're always hearing rape, incest and the life of the mother. But well, we need to look at that. First of all, the life of the mother is never true. A woman never, never needs an abortion, per se, to save her life. Sometimes with like an ectopic pregnancy, they need to remove the, the, the embryo because it, it's, it won't develop, it won't live, and it might kill her. They, even Catholic hospitals will do this. They take it out intact, preserving respect for its human dignity, and it fails to develop and it dies. That is not an abortion. Abortion is never necessary to save a woman's life. So let's stop talking about life of the mother. Then they talk about the health of the mother. This is an exception so big you could march the Rose Bowl parade through it. The health of the mother, what could not be said to affect someone's health? Your mental health. In the states that had the health of the mother exception before Roe v. Wade, women were going and getting notes from their psychiatrists and getting abortions because it was going to make them depressed. So anybody who says health of the mother, he is pro-choice. He is as bad as Planned Parenthood. Uh, And then rape and incest. Incest, I don't even know what that means. I don't know why incest would be an exception to abortion unless we're just eugenicists and we think, oh, we might have web fingers and extra toes and we don't want them running around America. I, I don't think I don't think that survives <laughs> rational examination. Uh, no two headed babies. Um, yeah. so that brings us to the rape exception. People who say they want a rape exception almost never want, really want that. If you really wanted that, you would say, "Okay, in the first within the first two weeks after you've been raped, you have to go to the police, file a report, cooperate with the investigation. If you're lying, that's illegal. You can be prosecuted for making a false rape report. So you would if you really believe that the rape exception is morally necessary, you would carve out a very small one that's a woman who goes to the police and says files a rape charge within a very narrow window of time, can have an abortion. It's tragic. It's not right. But we don't want to put that burden on rape victims. It, that would make some rational sense. That's not what people want. They want women to be able to go in and say, um, yeah, um, um, I was a, I was a rape. Oh, OK, stamp. They, the Christine Blasey Fords of this world were willing to lie under oath about being raped to get what they want.
0: So it would be an absolutely meaningless law. OK, we're, we got plenty more uh, talking to John Smirak. We want to remind you, Christian Solidarity International is freeing slaves, literally. But we need your help. We really need your help. Uh, you can go to Metaxistalk.com. That's the easiest way. Or you can dial 888-253-3522. 888-253-3522. We really need your help. 888 uh, 888- 253-3522, or go to metaxastalk.com. Welcome back, folks. We're talking to John Smirak. Oh, my goodness. John, uh, this weekend, King Charles III uh, was officially crowned um, uh, all very real, ritualistic. I spoke uh, at length to Naomi Wolf about it in hour one. Do you have any observations on that event?
2: Yeah, I, I'm really, really glad the British monarchy survives, um, even though it, it doesn't wield any power. Even though I'm half Irish and I'm almost genetic, you know, my genes scream at the British monarchy the way yours do at the Ottoman Empire, Eric, being Greek. (laughs) Uh, But as an American, I need to recognize that our freedoms, our ordered liberty come from no place else but England, that the peculiar history of the English monarchy and its relationship to the English parliament and the English people, Uh, the back and forth battle for power between the King, the parliament and the people has produced the freest society in the history of the world. And it's interesting that our, our independence was a rebellion against great Britain. Great Britain was the freest society on earth at the time. We wanted more. But the point is, we weren't rebelling against the Ottoman Empire or the Mongol Khan at Khans. We we were rebelling against a pretty darn good monarchy that for hundreds of years had been subjecting the king's powers to to the power of parliament. Uh, Starting in the 1300s with the Magna Carta, the English monarchs had 13th century,
0: John, I'm 13th so happy century. I get to 13th, correct you. Thank sorry, you.
2: Sorry, 13th century uh, with the Magna Carta. The English monarchs had to ask the parliament for taxes. The power of the purse was in the hands of the nobility and then of the common people. And there were individual rights, constitutional rights carved out for first for the nobility and then for ordinary people. Yeah.
0: How did that happen? If you can help us remember, because it's one thing to talk about Magna Carta. It's another thing to say, how did that happen? This is pre-Reformation. Where did these ideas come from in the early 13th century uh, on the, in England? Well, uh, partly
2: they came from the weakness. The English monarchy was trying to hold on to half of France. They had the rights to half of France. They had, Plains on half of France. And King John, the heir to King Richard the Lionheart, had failed in his wars against France to hold on to the lands that he thought he was entitled to. So he was bankrupt. He was viciously taxing ordinary people. He was viciously taxing the church. So the church, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Stephen Langton, the, the church got together with the nobility and said the king, the monarchy is robbing us. It is robbing us blind. It is overriding our rights. And already philosophers like Thomas Aquinas had been laying out limits to the legitimate power of monarchs. And the idea that if a monarch becomes a tyrant, you have the right to overthrow him, you as the people. And and the leaders of your society, they're called lesser magistrates, have the right to overthrow a tyrannical government. And so the power of the church as an independent organization that stood against the monarchy was key to establishing Magna Carta.
0: So that's the, you got to write about this because I keep hearing I, about, the, about the, the law of the lesser magistrates and, and I and I realize there are all these holes in my education. And- I
2: have a new book. I have a book which I am polishing this week called No Second Amendment, No First, and it traces the connection between Gun rights and the right to self defense, the right to rebel against tyrants, and religious freedom from the ancient Israelites up through the 21st century. Now, it should, I'm hoping we can get it out by July 4th. The book will be called No Second Amendment, No First. And I've got an entire chapter on how the medieval church was the source of all these arguments for limitations on the monarchy. This is so
0: beautiful. I've not, I've not, uh, or at least I don't remember this now, but the idea that the medieval church, not the reformed church, not the Lutheran church, that the medieval church was the source of this. Now, look, I'm not surprised that these ideas are all biblical ideas, but they take time to work their way through history. Um, But you said Aquinas and others were already formulating these ideas, which enabled uh, the church leaders in England uh, because of the overreaches of John, uh, King John and and uh, that situation to sort of bring this uh, to an historical point. I'll give I'll give you an even more interesting twist. The
2: Reformation actually handed enormous power to the state at the expense of the church because the king could decide what religion his country was going to be. So yeah. the church had couldn't push back against him because he could just throw him out like Henry VIII after the Reformation. You had Protestant and Catholic kings both trying to force their religion down the throats of their people. It was the Calvinists and the Jesuits who hated each other, but they each formulated the idea of resistance against tyranny, the idea that religious freedom was an individual right That was proper to each citizen and that was unchristian to persecute people for their religious for their religious views. So I have a a chapter on the Jesuits and the Calvinists and how they while they were fighting each other, actually, they laid the groundwork for the kind of religious freedom that we that John Locke advocated and that we have in America.
0: This is amazing uh, and very important. And I mentioned speaking to Naomi Wolf in hour one, but she talks briefly in her article uh, uh, at her substack about the undeniable uh, glory that was England. The idea that this small island nation would give us uh, the the, many of the, the, the liberties and the, and the views of limited government that, you know, we uh, we improved on in this country, that they would give us Shakespeare. Uh, It it is it is kind of, you know, hard to deny uh, uh, England's role in in history in that way. Um, Gosh, there's so much more to talk about. We're out of time. John, uh, uh, forgive me. We'll have you back. Obviously, ASAP to continue the conversation. Folks, I got to remind you, CSI, we need your help. Uh, You have to go to Metaxas Talk. Dot com. Uh, this is mandatory, by the way, for everyone who listens to the program. Go to metaxastalk.com. Do what you can. And thank you. Welcome back. Uh, Before I forget, I didn't mention this earlier and I should have mentioned it to entice people uh, to give the whole amount that will free a slave. And again, this frees a slave and sets them up in a life of freedom. So it doesn't really just free a slave, but it sets them up in a life of freedom freedom, the amount that CSI asks for that is $250. Now, I always say anything anybody can give. Most people, of course, will give nothing. And I want to say, I wish everybody would give something, um, just something, anything. Uh, maybe we'll get information, phone information and 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 uh, the information where you can call in and the information you can text. But right now, we're just sending you to Metaxistalk.com. But I want to say this, if you can give $250, anybody, now we can only do this for a little while, but anybody who gives $250, again, you can do this with your family, you can pool it with friends or whatever, but you will be freeing a slave from a part of the world where this is real. As we you know, complain about things around here, that's going on there. Um, and if you will do that, uh, we can only offer that this week, as far as I know, but if there's anybody who can give $250, we will send you as a thank you, a signed hardcover copy of my memoir, fish out of water, a search for the meaning of life. That's obviously a $32 hardcover book and I will sign it, which of course gets complicated. I have to do that and we have to mail it. And It's not, we don't have that kind of a setup, but I, I want to do that to entice people today. Um, because we, we want to thank you. And I want to incentivize you that you will get a, a signed copy of my book, fish out of water, a search for the meaning of life. Um, uh, we've talked about that on this program in the past, but, um, I want to say uh, to other people, I still put this out there, if you can give, if there's anybody out there who can give $10,000, now this is all tax deductible, and this is for, it's hard hard to think of a better cause, Um, if anybody can give $10,000 or more, uh, uh, and I know there are many uh, listening who could do that. I want to make myself available uh, to you to spend the evening with you, to have dinner with you uh, either in New York or if I come to your neck of the woods or we can meet at a mutually convenient place. We've done that in the past um, because this is a great cause and we are not just doing this to do it. We believe in this. We believe in CSI. We believe that their ability to pull this off is itself astonishing, amazing, crazy that they have. For decades now, made relationships in that part of the world where they're able to pull this off. So I want to recommend that to you. Uh, if you can give any amount, uh, we're grateful to you, and we want to encourage you to do that by going to Metaxistalk.com. But we want to say also, there, you know what? I'm gonna read it. There's a number, eight 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 two five three thirty five twenty-two, eight 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 two five three. 3522 Some of you would like to call that number. You can do this right now, and you can give whatever you want to give. If you can give $250, amazing. We will send you a signed copy, hardcover, of my memoir, Fish Out of Water. That's 888-253-3522, 888-253-3522. If you want to go to the website, it's much easier, metaxastalk.com. Anybody who can give $10,000 tax deductible, I want to spend an evening with you. I want to thank you in person, get to know you. Um, But this is an important campaign. And I just want to say this kind of sums up everything we talk about on this program, about living our lives in a certain way. This is an opportunity to do that. So thank you.
1: Um, I'm going to try to take this more seriously than you did in your endless creation of straw men, which just is ceaseless this evening, um, and address what I think is the real problem we have in our century in terms of information technology. Having different opinions is so 20th century. This century, we have different facts. And it's lethal. It's absolutely lethal the functioning of society and if you want to see how lethal it is look at the situation in America where not just the media but every institution, the CIA, the FBI the NSA, the the Supreme Court every institution you decide whether it's for your side or not it's disastrous for society but it starts with the facts and when the facts go wrong or you become glib about them or decide that it's just the facts that will suit your side, or pretend you're playing a game of honesty and are not actually playing a game of honesty. Everything else in the society can go to hell. This side has not been saying any of these straw men that you've been so kindly creating this evening, Malcolm. We've been saying that the mainstream media cannot be trusted. That is all. We're not saying don't read it. I repeat, we're not saying don't absorb it. Of course, you'd be an idiot to say that. What, you think we're only going to read substacks for the rest of life? There's not even time. (laughs) But the mainstream media is currently failing. It is failing you, the public. It is failing its employees. It's failing at its central task. You quoted one example of what journalism was meant to consist of. I would quote another, what George Orwell said. It's out on his statue outside the BBC. Sadly, the employees do not read it every morning before going in. But, but George Orwell famously said that the job of a journalist was to tell people facts they don't want to hear. The problem we have in our century coming up is that people will be paying for and absorbing only the facts they want to hear. The argument we are making is one of hygiene, basic hygiene in the media, in the mainstream media. I don't want to blow it up. I don't want an end to it or anything like it. I spent a significant amount of my life in the mainstream media. We just want it to be honest. We just want it to be factual. We don't want it to chase its own prejudices. We just want it to speak truth, whatever that is.
3: Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin, and this is Life, Liberty, and Levin. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Apparently, Joe Biden is going to run his presidential campaign not just from his basement, but on the issue of freedom. He's tested that out. His staff has tested that out. You know, freedom versus tyranny, freedom versus MAGA Republicans, extreme radical MAGA Republicans. Joe Biden stands for freedom. Actually, Joe Biden stands. For totalitarianism. There's not a damn thing he's done as president to promote freedom. In fact, I can't think of anything that man did as vice president or in the Senate for 412 years to promote freedom. As a matter of fact, Joe Biden is the last of the segregationists, the old segregationists. He likes to pretend he was part of the civil rights movement. He was part of the anti-civil rights movement. Soon as he stepped foot in the U.S. Senate, he befriended the, the most racist segregationists in the U.S. Senate. And they took him under his wing. How do we know this? Because the documents show us, the speeches and the votes show us. And what did he do? He opposed every attempt at integrating public schools, particularly in the inner cities, including in Wilmington. In fact, he opposed every attempt at integrating cities, period. Joe Biden was a full-throated segregationist and racist. And so he's always remaking himself into something that he's not, of course. So not only wasn't he a civil rights activist, he was also a plagiarist. That's how he got through law school. And, of course, he was a plagiarist even when he went for president twice before, stealing the words of Robert F. Kennedy and Neil Koenig and others, lying about his scholarship and his grades, and none of that has changed. The man lies continuously. So he's going to run on freedom, you see. Well, let's take a look at his record. First of all, how many unscripted press conferences has the great freedom leader had? Almost none. Why? Because in addition to unscripted press conferences, he won't allow an unscripted neurological examination from a truly objective, impartial, top-level doctor to take a look at what's going on up there. Not a lot, apparently. And you know what? We, the American people, have a right to demand of him, the first lady, the media and the Democrat Party to know before there's a single vote cast in the Democrat primaries, certainly in the general election, what the mental health is of Joe Biden. It's not a joke. It's not a cliche. It's a reality. We have a 25th Amendment there. We shouldn't have to wait to figure out how to trigger the 25th Amendment. To figure out if Joe Biden's capable of being president of the United States. That man has his finger right next to the nuclear button. We have a right to know as the American people. I thought he believed in freedom. Now let's look at his freedom agenda and policies. Disinformation board. Twitter. FBI DHS censorship. Replacing equality with equity. Very Marxist of him. Serial non-compliance with the Constitution. He rules by executive orders. We're on energy independence. It doesn't sound very free to me. Banning air conditioning units, gas stoves, combustion engines, fossil fuels. Destroying women's sports. So far, does that sound very free to you? Turning our borders over to mass murdering drug cartels. Overseeing the sex trade, enslavement of children. And crimes on our borders. Millions of illegal aliens flooding our towns and cities, our schools and our hospitals. Tons of fentanyl, other drugs, illegal weapons. So much for gun control coming across our border. Proposing to steal people's wealth, a wealth tax? Really? Venezuela must be very proud. We're on the independence of the Supreme Court and individual justices like we've never seen before. We're on the pro-life community. We're on parents. Promotion of partial birth, abortion, right before birth. Joe Biden believes it's not a baby, it's a choice. Investigations of political opponents like former President Trump, who also happens to be the leading Republican candidate to run against him. That's right, sexualizing children, condoning sex changes without parental consent. You know what that sounds like to me? Sick. Perversion. Talks about book bannings by DeSantis and others in our schools uh joe they're talking about taking pornography out of our schools you support that apparently he doesn't teaching crt that is racism to our children that doesn't sound very free to me creating mountains of debt with massive borrowing and spending imposed on us the next generation future generations yet born they won't be free pushing our nation into a debt crisis because he refuses to even Negotiate with his ridiculous seven trillion dollar budget. He's created massive inflation on food, gas, everything. He believes in eliminating the single-family homes in the suburbs through HUD. HUD. He's expanded the IRS by eighty-seven thousand agents. That's to go after you. He opposes school choice at the behest of the thuggest teachers unions. That's what Joe Biden believes freedom is. What else? Cato and the Fraser Institute look at Human Freedom Index in 2022. They look at the rule of law. They look at religion. They look at relationships, size of government, and so forth. And you know what they found? The United States has dropped seven, seven nations. We're 23rd among nations now. 23rd among nations. Who's number one? Well, they say Switzerland, then New Zealand, Estonia, Denmark, Ireland, Sweden, Iceland, Finland, Netherlands. Tiny, tiny little countries. We used to be number one. Joe Biden's killing us. Heritage Foundation, economic freedom. We've dropped there, too. Rank in the world, 25th. United States economic freedom score is 70.6. It scores 1.5 points lower than last year. Wow. Joe really believes in freedom, doesn't he? But there's even more. We call this the Constitution of the United States. Joe put his left hand on his Bible, his right hand in the air, and he swore to uphold it and to enforce our laws. Doing a very, very bad job, Joe. Let's take a look. Article 1, Section 1. Right there, the first sentence. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. Plain English. Even Joe should be able to comprehend that. So he comes in office. The first couple of days in office, he signs as many executive orders as Franklin Roosevelt, and since then, probably more. What else? Oh, look at this. We have Article 1, Section 8. To borrow money on the credit of the United States, that's Congress, not the executive, to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. To borrow money on the credit of the United States. So when Joe Biden issues an executive order that's a trillion dollars in your money, to redistribute to wealthier Americans to pay off their student loans, that violates the Constitution. Every executive order that he has signed that has a huge effect on the economic situation in this country is supposed to go through Congress, particularly if it involves money. Joe has ignored it left and right. To establish a uniform rule of naturalization, that's immigration. What has he done on immigration? Well. He's ignored every single law on the books. Every single one. Article 2, Section 3, this involves the president himself. He shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. They even say that when he's sworn in. I shall take care that the laws of the United States are faithfully executed, whether he likes them or not. Has he done that? I just said he hasn't. So that's four provisions of the United States Constitution that Joe Biden has violated. What else? He doesn't like the Bill of Rights. No, this former racist segregationist, plagiarist, he does not like the Bill of Rights. Here's the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Joe Biden, with his Democrats in Congress, have done everything they can to kneecap religious organizations and faiths with their secularist left-wing agenda. Abridging the freedom of speech. Oh, we know that he hates Free speech. His FBI and DHS have worked with Twitter and the other internet organizations. And of course, he set up that board. Disinformation. In other words, if you disagree with the government. Of course, the Second Amendment, the part of the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be abridged. Joe has signed executive orders to try and abridge it. He goes on and on about attacking your right to bear arms. No other country in the world has it. Exactly. And no other country in the world has a Bill of Rights or First Amendment either. What about the Fourth Amendment? The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. Did not the Inspector General of the Department of Justice testify a few days back that there were one million cases of the FBI doing unreasonable searches? You know, one million, we're rounding down. What about the Fifth Amendment? The part that says you're not to be deprived of the life, liberty, or property without due process of law. What's this wealth tax and these other things? They come up with all these regulations to steal your property. And I've only just begun. The Constitution of the United States is what protects us from government. It's what keeps government in its proper limited lane. And Joe Biden and the Democrats are endlessly attacking the framers, attacking our foundational principles. They seek to destroy the Constitution. Anything that's in the way they want to destroy, burn down, whether it's the Supreme Court, whether it's the filibuster rule, whether it's our voting system, whether it's the borders and so forth and so on. So Joe Biden's going to run as the freedom president? No, 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 no. He should run as the, as the oldest living former racist segregationist from the 1970s. Who opposed integration then and opposes it today? That's right, he embraces critical race theory, which wants to resegregate America, black and white. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News YouTube page and catch our hottest
0: interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else.